What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Contractor Secrets Podcast. In today's episode, uh, I really dive into some of the different things going on in my business at this stage, transition into three crews, culture focused, just some things I've learned. Always a good refresher. Hopefully, this gives you some insight, helps you on your mission, your journey, and the topic of this podcast, your legacy. So, hope you get something out of this. Starts right now. Contractors all over the world are wanting more, more time, more freedom, more impact. The way we do this is through implementing systems, processes, standards. Welcome to the Contractor Secrets Podcast. Here we hit business strategy, coaching, mindset, motivation, the tools you need for success. So strap in, listen up, and get ready to grow on the Contractor Secrets Podcast. What's going on, guys? Back at it again. Oh, man, it's been a little bit of a break. Um, A lot's happened in my painting business and, of course, just everything going on with Drip Jobs. And I want to thank you guys for uh, all the support. I actually got a a Spotify wrapped, which is kind of like the stats of how this podcast is doing. And to my surprise, Contractor Secrets Podcast is in the top 5% of all podcasts worldwide uh, for most shared uh, so I don't know how that's happened. It's pretty cool. Obviously I know how it's happened. Thanks to you just sharing it with your friends and, you know, uh, fellow colleagues and different things like that. So I just want to say thank you. Uh, that's pretty awesome. So today I want to talk about, uh, organic growth in business. I think, you know, we're so caught up in just getting to a million dollars that, you know, or whatever that number is, is that, you know, we kind of, we're going to miss a very, very important aspect of business that I came across organically. And the only way you can get there is going through it, right? The only way you can get to what I've discovered in business is by going through the mud, by, you know, refining uh, your team, refining your processes and experiencing uh, failure, uh, wins, um, you know, learning how to learning how to talk to people, learning how to manage employees, learning how to lead, learning how to identify strengths, learning how to put the right teams together. Um, And through all that, you actually land on something pretty cool. And if you've experienced that, if you've developed a a team and you nurtured a team from uh, beginning to end, and you know what I'm talking about, you know that, hey, I have a loyal group of team members here. I know their strengths and I know their weaknesses. And it's funny because the reason I'm bringing this up is because I know my team so well, uh, now that I have three of them, um, you know, I have three, and and by the way, it's going great. Three crews. Those of you who've been following the podcast, I talked a little bit a while ago about, um, transition into three crews and how that's been going and, and it's going really good actually. I mean, it's one of those things where again, organic growth got me here, you know, um, having an awareness of how many jobs I'm going to need to keep these guys busy every single week and how, you know, how to pace the jobs and how to schedule the jobs, knowing what they can accomplish in a set amount of time. Uh, Again, that ties into the topic today of organic growth, knowing who you have on your team, knowing their strengths, knowing their weaknesses, knowing what new people to put them with are all things that you learn through trial and error uh, doing it. So, and the reason I'm saying this is because, you know, at this point, I have to I have to get like 25 to 30 jobs a month. Um, 
some bigger jobs. So like, you know, sometimes it'll be like less, sometimes it'll be 20 if we had bigger jobs or, or, you know, what have you. But, you know, what's interesting is, is that if I meet the customer, I instantly know what crew leader to put them with. In other words, like I know who to match them with to give them and my, and my team the best possible experience. And I think that's just such an under, valued approach to scheduling. And it's like, for me to let go of scheduling would be very hard because of that right there. Just knowing internally the timing, not only that, knowing um, who to pair the customer with. And I've done this on multiple occasions where even Chris will go out and do an estimate and I will have him report back things that I would ask and questions unrelated to painting. You know, one of his questions on his questionnaire when he does an estimate is, you know, what is something you learned about this customer that's not related to the job? Um, and for me, I want to get to know the customer on a personal level so I can understand who the best match for them would be. And I even ask his opinion, who would be the best crew leader for this job, given the customer and given the scope? Because we all know that customers can range from, well, super cool to super crazy, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just a fact, um, you know, but one of the things I've learned is that like, you know, I want to facilitate that as best as I can. I mean, obviously I don't get it right every time, but if I know that somebody is going to be super, not aggressive, just like, you know, and, and you can see these patterns from when you go and do the estimate, you know, if they come out with a data sheet, you know, and they talk, talk to you about how skeptical they are. And, and it's not that I want to shy away from those customers. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to like, be like, all right, well, I'm going to price your job out of the water. Cause I'm scared of you. Sometimes that happens, but in most cases I understand, you know, they want a, a good job and I, I can tell they're going to be a little more aggressive in terms of managing us, uh, on the job site. And it's like, well, I want to give them my best guy, uh, or I want to give them the other individual who has more experience, or I want to give them someone that is really good at talking to the customer. And it's like, you know, when you get teams, you really want to start doing that. And again, this comes with organic growth. This comes with, I know each individual on my team. I have 12, uh, employees now. And it's like, I know each one of their strengths. I know, you know, I, I care enough to know what their strengths are individually, but also I, I know how to balance their workload. And I think as a leader, you need to really focus on how you're balancing workload for your team members. You really need to understand um, that, you know, their <laughs> responsibility is 40 hours a week. That's what they sign up for as employees. You want to get the most out of them during that time. Uh, but it's also important for you not to put them in positions where, they feel as though the value exchange weighs heavily in your favor. In other words, if you guys were to come up to a negotiation table, that employee would say, hello, I will give you 40 hours a week in exchange for the money that you give me. And you'd say, great, I will give you this money in exchange for your 40 hours. And then you'd set expectations. You'd say, well, during those 40 hours, I want you to work hard. I want you to not stand around. I want you to not take too many breaks. I want you to make sure that the value that I'm giving you is equal to the value that you're giving me. And what I've learned is, is that if employees exceed the value, in other words, if they go above and beyond the value that they're giving you, then at that point, or excuse me, they go above and beyond the value that you're giving them. Then at that point, you have a decision make to either elevate them or to increase their pay. And, you know, you don't want to lose that out of an employee. You don't want them to 
show signs of that and then you you not recognize that right and appreciation helps too i mean that's not a long-term approach to rewarding someone people do appreciate appreciation in some cases some value appreciation more than a raise immediately so you know as a leader you have to kind of see where someone's at and then see where they're trying to get to or also see where they have improved to and then recognize it so they continue to do that it's almost like if you have a child it's like if a child is trying to show you something um, exciting and you don't acknowledge that child what's the chances that they're going to show you that thing again right if they're going to just realize that hey well if i do xyz i'm not going to get a reaction out of it or i'm not going to get praise or you know i kind of i think it's as elementary as that uh, but you just have to have a caring heart when it comes to your employees because again like you're going to lose that and eventually if you just live in a way where hey i'm giving you this you give me that and i don't owe you anything other than money which you guys have heard me say on this podcast probably a lot is like you owe more to them than money if you want them to do more for you than what's required of them right and i think there's so many different things that you can do but i think that it's nurturing their skill sets in a way that hey I want you to be the best you can be, whether you stick with me or not. That's my mindset. Like I want, like if you're going to step, if you're going to walk hand in hand with me in my business, I want you to elevate to the point where if you did decide to start your own business, you would actually be successful, right? Because you saw how I did it and you also refined your skill sets. We're going to operate that way. Now, whether you do it or not, okay, because you see how hard it is. It's not like a walk in the park and I don't want you to leave spitefully. But whether you do it or not, you're going to get better around this environment. And uh, that's the culture that we create. But again, it's like if you look at the individuals in your business, you really should make it a point to exceed their value. Or there should be this teeter-totter of value exchange happening between you and your employees, right? It's like, you know, if they finish a job early or ahead of schedule, you know, how quick are you to pay them for the day, right? How quick are you to give them? a break. If a job is lagging behind, first identify whose fault is it? Did you understaff the job? Did something outside of your control happen to affect this outcome? Um, if a job is running behind, are you quick to say, hey, sorry, guys, we have to work tomorrow? Or hey, sorry, guys, we have to work extra late? You know, how often is that happening? You know, I'm, I definitely expect there to be times where that does happen if there's no other way around it. But you know, their job is to do what they're told. And in some cases, you know, if they've done that and something still happens where the job lags behind, you're in, you're in charge of making sure that you're managing the workload and you're not expecting something in exchange for really nothing. In other words, like in other words, they've done what they were supposed to do. They showed up on time. They did the job and something outside of their control happened. And then here you are coming in and saying, Hey, unfortunately you have to work Saturday because we didn't get it done. Well, that's not their problem. <laughs> like, you know, like they don't get profit share, right? You know, it's like you set expectations understood. They did what they were supposed to do. But again, this outside factor, maybe there was the wrong paint color or maybe, you know, you know, and, and listen, I know that there's circumstances where the expectations weren't met and that's the fault of the employee. But then again, my stance on that is more training, better supervision. Who's your manager on site? What's your training process like? How much time are you investing on the job site 
watching the workflow and pacing your team to see if your estimations of what they're expected to do is even accurate, not what you can do. Right. And that's a big transition for a lot of people to make is like, well, I can do it in X, Y, Z. Well, you have the motivation of profit in the back of your head and you own the business. Like, so don't compare people, especially if you're a painter, this transition into, or, you know, a laborer, whatever, you know, whatever trade you do, if you've transitioned from, you know, skilled tradesman to owner, there's a skewed perception of output that will occur, right? So all that plays into culture, like this whole thing, this whole talk is about culture, but it's also about, um, I like, again, like servant leadership, you know, servant leadership. And it's like, you're already making profit, right? Like you're already, you have this team of individuals that go to work every day to build your dream. How much do you value that? Or do you think of it as they're there for me, you know, or I'm doing them a favor. Yes, you are doing people a favor by giving them a job, right? But there's thousands of jobs out there, you know, and it's like early on in your business, anyone that, anyone that wakes up every day to come to your business, you need to see it as somebody that hired you for the first time. If you remember what that feeling was like when you first started your business and, you know, you had somebody say yes to your quote, there was literally no better feeling because it's like, wow, they picked me over everyone else. And it's like, don't lose that with your team members. Don't lose that notion of, hey, they picked premium painting over everyone else. I value them for that. And yes, I know that there's this variable in the air called money. Right. And I know sometimes it gets tricky, but if we if we remove money from the equation, right, if money was just taken care of, right, would someone still want to come to work for you? Right. And that means and that means not that they're they're rich. Let's say we lived in a society with no money, but everyone had this intrinsic value of I need to go to work. Right. Bear with me. And the mindset is, would someone still enjoy coming to work for you? Right. Or would they want to go somewhere else? You know, is what you're providing just a convenience to them or is it somewhere that helps them grow and when you understand humans and the way things work in terms of uh mindset growth um motivation and contribution to a whole then you build your business around that and it's easy it's because it's natural to want those things uh for yourself but once you want it for yourself then that's naturally going to pour onto your team so as i segue into personal development. That's where we're going to talk really quick about you and what your goals are and how you set the tone for the growth of your company. A big part of that is identifying your data, you know, identifying your benchmarks, identifying your deadlines we talked about and being able to set those expectations right for your team. What's really cool is that we are finally working on job costing and drip jobs, and I'm so excited. I mean, I remember five years ago, um, I had this awesome spreadsheet. Like some of you who who listen to this have actually gotten that spreadsheet, and it was even more robust than what you had. But I just felt like, like when I first started my business, like that was one of the very first things I did was build out this job costing spreadsheet. And I'm used to that because in in the corporate jobs I've had and some of the other jobs I had, like we tracked everything. Like, especially when I worked at the bank, I had this huge spreadsheet that allowed me to track all my commissions, like all the different things that I sold, credit cards, lines of credit, auto loans, warranties, like everything that I sold in the bank was all tracked on this spreadsheet. So literally when I woke up every day and I 
you know, got to my job and I sat down at my desk, what do you think the first thing I opened every single day was? It was the spreadsheet. Why? Because I wanted to track my progress so I knew what to hit. And because of that, I set a record in the bank for uh, sales. I was the number one loan producer, number one auto loan, whatever. Okay. Obviously, sales skill has something to do with that, but I set goals because I knew, okay, well, based on my my last month, I was able to do this and I can reference my output and say, okay, well, I didn't really go hard on this day or this week, or I didn't really take advantage of all of those opportunities. But based on this information, well, wow, now if I did X, Y, Z, I can hit this number. And it's like, you know, with job costing, it's interesting because these are micro wins. And I love this industry that we're in because you can actually cost a job fully or as close as possible aside from like materials, which you just have to create some sort of variance for. But it's interesting because you can really zero in on the actual expenses of each job with, if you're in the painting, most of you guys are painters, painting contractors, and you can really zero in on that. And what's cool about that is that, you know, you have the ability to see where you are and then see where you want to be and then make a change. So, you know, when I tie this back into culture, what's great about this is you can involve your leaderships teams into this job costing thing, right? So in other words, you first have to identify, you know, what your par is as a company. So you may job cost for the next two months and say, okay, well, I'm going to just job cost for the next two months and see what our par is. So business as usual as you're doing now. And for the next two months, all you're doing is just logging in all your paint that you're using on each job, all the labor that you're using on each job. And what that'll spit out to you is averages, right? So you'll say, okay, for the last two months, we've averaged 45% labor on each job, right? And then you might say, and 20% uh, paint cost on each job and materials, right? And what's interesting about that is that you might say, okay, well, next month, I want to try to hit 40% labor and I want to try to hit 15% uh, material cost. Okay. So in other words, you're trying to cut down your expenses by 10%, which ultimately means you're really, I mean, that's 10% profit that's back in your, in your business simply because you were able to first identify where you are and then set a goal for where you want to be. And then the interesting thing is on a, on a micro level, right? You're able to involve your project managers and say, okay, listen, for the last three months, your jobs have been at a 40% profit margin. Okay. What we want now is to get to a, you know, a 45% profit margin. How we're going to do that is we need to ensure that we are zeroing in on our materials and not wasting paint. So I want us at a 15% paint cost. So what I'm going to do every single week is I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to show you where your jobs are so you can hit that. If you hit that at 15%, you get a $500 bonus at the end of the month. Now, a lot of companies don't do bonuses because they don't know what to what to create the bonus on. A bonus should be systematic. It should be, hey, if you do this, 
and this, you get this. And I think a lot of us want to do bonuses or want to do some sort of structure where someone is incentivized, but we've never really had something to help us do that. So again, like that ties into job costing, that ties into culture, that ties into personal development first for you as a leader, because you have to set the tone for all the different things that you want to accomplish as a business owner. And then you have to set something up for your managers to achieve. And then your managers in your business should be setting up benchmarks for the crew members to achieve. And in that regard, I believe it's, you know, learning all aspects of the trade and getting them to a position where they can maximize their income simply through their willingness to learn the skill sets required in that endeavor. So it's like, you know, it all starts with you. Like, I guess like that's going to be the topic of this podcast is like, it all starts with you. It starts with your investment in growth. Some of you have made it. Some of you have made more money than you've ever made before. And you don't know what else to do. And it's like, help other people grow. Like that never gets old. Like that's, that's, if it, it's selfish to just keep thinking about your own growth. And it's like, you know, I want people to win, like to be hundred percent honest with you, I did not need a third crew in my life. <laughs> like it's been a little stressful. I'm not going to lie. Like, yes, it, it, we make a little more money as a company, but I wanted to give someone that I really care about in my business an opportunity to lead a crew. Like he had no other place other than to lead and he's doing a great job. And he's like one of our best, like he's just really good at it. And I don't know. I just like think like if you focus on developing others, uh, you'll never run out of gas. Cause I know a lot of you aren't just like money hungry. Like I'm out. I was money hungry when I sold cars. I'm not money hungry anymore. I'm legacy hungry. Okay. That's when I am legacy hungry. <laughs> you know, I, I want to create a legacy. I'm helping others support their families. I'm those of you who are at my talk, uh, that I did in Pennsylvania, you know, it was about the impact tree and the impact tree just represents all the people that, uh, are affected by my decisions, you know, in business, you know, and, you know, whether it's a direct effect or an indirect effect, I still have some impact on others. If I, if I wake up every day and I get after it and I actually care about these things. So, um, yeah, little, uh, little all over the place, but I think you guys got it. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the Contractor Secrets Podcast. If you have any feedback on this episode, I'd love to hear it. Hopefully, this gave you some ideas, some thoughts about how to uh, encourage, motivate, and develop your team. If you're a Drip Jobs user, you're going to absolutely love the job costing features coming out soon. If you're not a Drip Jobs user, jump on board. Try it out. You know, we don't bite. It's, a, it's, a, it's an instant ROI. At least I believe so. And so many others have just to give you some context, we have almost 500 companies on drip jobs right now, which is absolutely insane. Um, I don't know what to say. I set a goal for 450 January one, uh, and we've exceeded that goal. So how exciting is that? And, uh, thanks to you. So thank you guys. Those of you who are drip jobs users that listen to this and, uh, have bought into the vision. Um, you know, I hope uh, I hope you're pleased with what it's doing for you and your business. And I can't wait to show you what's coming up next. So thank you guys again. Have a good one. And we'll catch you soon. Hey, hey thanks so much for checking out the Contractor Secrets podcast. Stick around. I am going to drop in a short testimonial uh, that one of our awesome heavy hitters in Drip Jobs uh, had agreed to give out for us. So if you want to hear a little bit about how Drip Jobs is helping contractors, stick around uh, for the end of this episode and you can listen in. What's up, everyone? I'm here with Chris Rodriguez. Um, he's here to share a little bit about Drip Jobs and what it's been doing for him. Um, I'll start off by saying 
just give me some raw, authentic thoughts about it, man. What's it doing for you? Honestly, it's been huge for us. Um, the biggest thing I've found is how much free time I've gotten now. Like it's opened up a lot of time, not only in my business, but in my personal life. So that's been huge with like the automation, with follow-ups and things like that. And also on top of that too, you know, the experience that it gives our customers, you know, how professional it looks from the beginning all the way to the end. You know, we, we really pride ourselves on the experience that we give to our customers too. So it's been perfect for us. You getting any feedback from your customers about it? Oh yeah. Tons. Every time, like, I feel like three out of every five customers, you know, come back to us and be like, Oh my God, I can't believe like how professional that was. Or, you yeah. know, you got back to us so quick, like the system's so cool and easy. Yeah. It makes it easy. You know, one thing that we, we try to do is connect you to the customer in a way that where you almost feel like we work for you, you know, <laughs> that's yeah. how it is, you know, and uh, you know, that's cool, man. So you have the, uh, so you have the automation set up. What is the, um, you know, what, what is the feedback in terms of the automated drips after you send a proposal out, right? So like you send a proposal out, drip job shoots out, drip messages for the course of like a month. Have you won any jobs from it? Are people responding to them at the very least? I, <clears throat> yeah, I, to I totally have. Um, I've actually, it's funny, it works so good that sometimes I forget about jobs that we've sent out and then <laughs> I get a message back from somebody. I'm like, yeah. oh man, that, that was like two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I found that a lot of uh, people have been responding back. We've been getting a lot more jobs from that. And that's where we really were lacking before drip jobs. When Before you signed up for drip jobs, I think you probably heard about it, right? Yeah. It was, there was some apprehension, of course, new software. What is a piece of advice you have to anyone that I show this to or, or put this soundbite into uh, to them? Maybe they're on the fence. Maybe they think they have a good system. They're using Joist or... Uh, some of the others estimating software. Yep. What advice you'd give for them? Yeah, that was uh, that was totally me. Um, I was using one of those cheaper softwares. I was on the fence, you know, a little more money, smaller business, you know, do we really need something like that? And I'm in the mindset now that it's the total opposite. Like if you're a smaller business, like you definitely need something like this. That's what I said. Like, yeah, it, it definitely... Um, because I'm like an owner operator, so I'm still in the field. So it's like almost impossible to work all day and get back to everybody. Yeah. So, you know, implementing this has been huge. It saves so much time for us. Like it, it's a no brainer. I think like if you're on the fence, definitely do it. And you'll thank Tanner and myself later. <laughs> yeah, thank you, brother. Are you sending the uh, booking link to people that call you? I am now. I saw that you did that and I was like, Oh, that button there? You saw we put the button there? No, I didn't see the button. There's a button. Yeah, on the on the app, it says new request at the bottom. Yeah. And all you got to do is tap it, punch in the number, and it shoots them a text message with your link. Oh, wow. See, that, yeah. that's another thing I love about it, too. It's like it starts off as a great system, but you keep improving it, and it just yeah, gets better and better and better. Bringing it. And I love that because it's so easy. And, and just for anyone listening, what that does someone calls you typically like it used to be, all right, what's your first name, last name, email, phone number, address, and you're trying to get all this information, you write it down somewhere, or you type it in your calendar. But now we just give you a link to send them and they fill it out. It goes into drip jobs in the right spot, creates an appointment request and sends them a text and an email in seconds. And uh, you can get back to doing what you're doing. And you being an owner operator right now, you're in a vehicle, you're probably going to estimates or checking on a yep. job 
like you don't have time for all that man so you know that's cool yeah. I'm, glad it's, it's, I'm glad it's working out yeah dude it it works so good i think I, I, when we met at the pc i kind of told you like i was on vacation with my family you know at disney world about to get on a ride with my daughter and two leads came in normally you know i have to call them back real quick i got on the ride with her got off and drip jobs already followed up with them and they booked both the appointments you oh know? man that's crazy bro <laughs> yeah that that's that time to me is invaluable that's huge because you would have had to say hold on i got to go take care of these leads real quick because you know you were getting charged for them right. and you had to step away from your family in that moment called them now if they didn't answer you would have had this feeling like damn like i got to now that would have been on your head yeah exactly whole time i've been there um, yep. And then this thing followed up with them instantly. It's almost like you had an office admin in the office while you were at Disney. <laughs> yep, exactly. You know? And uh, yep. it was handling business for you. And uh, you didn't yep. have to text her or him to be like, uh, hey, follow up with that lead. <laughs> yep, exactly. So that that right there is just, the value is crazy. Like it's priceless. Right there is one of the best testimonials I've ever heard. And I've been doing this sort of system for a while, but when it became drip jobs, that was a good one right there, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Nah, no problem, man. It's I love it. <laughs> Thank you, brother, for your support. Anyone listening to this, please take heed to Chris's advice. He was most in most cases just like you. I think he has a business breakthrough that you could go listen to on the podcast somewhere. But thanks, bro. I appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. All right, man.